What is up, everyone? Lincoln Shrike coming to you today for a special episode of the Flow Track Podcast, joined by Gordon Mack, who is in a parking lot in some McDonald's in the United States of America. But I say special, we have a special edition. We're joined today by the two hosts and two professional runners from the Brooks Beast. They host the Sit and Kick Podcast. It's Josh Kerr and David Ribich. First off, guys, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Feeling uh, pretty excited for this for this kind of being on with Dave is always, you know, tough, but like being on as a sit and kick podcast host is, is, is a little bit better. It makes things easier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty excited for this. Um, Josh has a lot of, a lot of banter that he wants to hash out. So I'm just going to most likely sit back and relax while Josh sweats in his cotton t-shirt. <laughs> well, I know you guys are teammates with the Brooks Bees, but how did this idea of a podcast together? How did that start out? I would say it, was, it started. Oh yeah. Go for it, Josh. We were, we were well, no, I just thought I'd take the lead, you know, because I'm the, the better host on the on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so the what we really did was Dave came over to Albuquerque um, in, when was it, like September time, Dave? Something yeah. like that. Um, so he came over and helped me before my kind of build up for Worlds and stuff and, and you know, took time out of his, you know, uh, time off and, and we kind of just spent every day together so i uh we kind of were just sitting around and we're like you know we're sitting having some good chat and and on runs and things and we just thought you know that could be a really cool thing to do a little a little bit of fun and and uh, we're like we don't really think we want to put the effort in for a youtube channel but we want to just chat so i think that was the the best option for us really yeah i thought my good looks were going to be good enough for a, a youtube channel but josh was a little insecure about his lamb chops so we decided to mm-hmm. start with the podcast and then work <laughs> from there and yeah when we were there in september um we impulse bought microphones and headphones and the whole setup just because we're like well if we financially commit then hopefully we um commit to actually produce this thing and so that was in like september and we did a lot of practice rounds and then finally started <laughs> launching our podcast um, in January or February of this year. So it, it was still like a three month build period. And we went through a, a wide variety of names. I think one of them was like a traction, um, but sit and kick kind of just like evolved after a bunch of sticky notes with runaway. But yeah, it was mostly just um, us talking on runs and knowing that there's thousands of runners in the country that have these exact same conversations, but really nowhere to listen or like have the conversation. And so we want to be able to be a podcast to open the conversation. Well, you guys have been doing this show together and our teammates, like we mentioned, I'm curious how familiar you guys are with each other. Like you're quite from different backgrounds, I would say. David being a D2 guy from Oregon, Josh being a Division One guy from, uh, well, somewhere across the ocean. Uh, and uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, how much do you guys know about each other? I mean, how how, how close has this show made you? Pretty close. I mean, we're we're spread over um, Skype typically, so physically we're not very close. Emotionally, very close. Um, but starting out being a Division Two guy, Josh always gives me a hard time about this. That Division Two guys are stat guys, so I knew far more about Josh before he knew anything mm-hmm. about me. Like I even came up to him. Like our first time meeting each other was at Azusa Pacific, um, where he set the NCA Division One record and I set the Division Two record. And I go, "Hey, man, great race." And he goes, thanks, bud. And bud was just such like a, a demoralizing word to use. <laughs> so he then goes on and is like, oh, he's like, were you in that race? And I'm like, yeah, I was in that race. Like I said, the division yeah. two record. So then I had to like bring myself up and, and try to flex against him. But um, from that moment on, Josh was like an enemy to me. And then we signed together. And then now we materialized into 
I wouldn't say best friends, but we're we're on the verge. We're pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Is this Josh? Josh, did you know what the... <laughs> Josh, did you even know what Division Two was? I also didn't know Division Two was a thing, so that 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 doesn't <laughs> help. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. Like I remember Dave brings this this up all the time, just because you know he likes the attention, but. Um, we do we do have some good banter with D one D two stuff, and uh, he signed right before me. And his his joke is always, you know, I, I, he's the reason that I signed with the Brooks Beast, and uh, I I can't deny that. I think I think it was a big reason. <laughs> you guys are like you're like the equivalent from D one to D two, right? You mentioned the records, winning the mm-hmm. winning the fifteen hundred titles. I don't know if your titles completely overlap, but David, you won an indoor title or two, and Josh did the same, like. Seems like it's yeah. pretty similar. Yeah, I think the not, only not difference exactly. is, yeah, I think the only difference is I won a DMR title and then I won my final collegiate race. Where I don't think Josh has <laughs> either of those two things. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm sure everyone remembers that as well, Dave. I'm sure everyone's sitting there like, oh, I remember that race like yesterday. You know, yeah, everyone's sitting like it's the best best part of the year is that D2 NCAA championships. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I will say David has a ally. I ran Division Two. And so I look up to those guys like they are real people too, Josh. So uh, <laughs> listen, there's some good D2 guys. I mean, there's a guy, you should know, there's a British guy in D2, Thomas Staines, who runs like 145. So there's some diamonds in yeah. the rough, you know. Um, but that said, Division One, obviously, still just a little bit stronger than Division One. <laughs> Gordon, you want to chime in on this episode at all? Yeah, I ran D3, so I'm, I, I'm, uh, I have no where to go with this i mean nick simmons is a d3 athlete so i have that for me uh i do have a question though with the the sit and kick uh it's kind of an ironic name for at least uh i mean josh you never really sat and kicked during your college days i mean you were always a go Mm -hmm. from the gun so like do you guys ever really actually sit and kick like we're (laughs) i feel like you guys are kind of living vicariously through this podcast I think the joke the joke that we worked hard on was like so we would start our episode and we'd be like today we're sitting and kicking it with our guest and that's kind of the main reason that we brought that out was just to kind of get that intro sorted but sit and kick you know we don't have a lot of respect for that tactic but you know the most exciting races are are normally the ones that are brave enough and ballsy enough to go from from far out but you know it's part of our sport and and it's just the way the way we went for it really yeah, we just want to try to match so, it with uh, the track and field world. It's a good name. So, how does uh, Danny Mackey coach you guys via Zoom call? Like, what, what, what's is, has there been any virtual coaching going on? Like, what, what is uh, <laughs> what is that like? Well, I, I I'm in Albuquerque like a fair bit because I'm still going to school here. Um, so I, I'm pretty used to. It. I know D- Dave's still in Seattle, and and uh, we're not allowed to obviously meet as a team. So we do do like a zoom call once a week but it's more of a core session and the rest is really on email and phone calls but you know it, it is it is a weird transition into like everyone's training on their own and and you know you have the whole team pretty much in seattle like right at the start and none of us were able to train together so it was it was weird and, and we we're a very close team so it, it did hit us pretty hard when brooks were like no i think it's really bad for for us to be seen to be training as a, as a team. And, and I think it's the safest thing to do is to kind of go our separate ways and do our own thing a little bit as much as possible. But, you know, Danny's handling it pretty well. And, and, uh, we obviously, we have people that are, you know, we have Vale that's living in Portland, uh, Ryan Vale that, you know, gets coached all the time over, you know, zoom and phone calls and stuff. So Danny's kind of used to that now. 
Yeah, and I would say like with Danny, his biggest philosophy is well, not his biggest, but one of the big philosophies that he has as a coach is developing like almost like a collegiate extension in terms of like the team dynamic of a professional team. Like all of us here on the Beast team are very invested into each other's futures and our livelihoods, and so I think through this process, like he he recruited people that genuinely care about each other, and um, all of us like typically get along, and so it's it's a good dynamic to where even though we are apart we're still constantly checking in with each other like i don't think a day goes by where i'm not texting three or four of the people on the team asking how a run went or a workout went and always comparing workouts with josh um, because he's at altitude and, and so we um yeah i would say the the separation has been um an adjustment specifically for me just because i am in seattle um but marta penfritas she's in um Portugal right now she's leading our weekly zoom calls and doing core and absolutely destroying us on Thursdays and so I would say like the athletes themselves have taken a little bit more initiative on the team just to get this communication going and getting everybody involved my one thought with quarantine is that uh well it kind of forces everyone to kind of just like not really do much right with their their lives and running is a very basic you know activity I'm, i when i was in europe for a few years with the, some of the pro guys i noticed all these they woke up they ran they ate lunch they sat watched tv run in the afternoon eat dinner go to bed talk about twitter that was their day that was a life and that's pretty much what people in quarantine are doing they wake up eat breakfast maybe exercise on their own sit in the home look at twitter all day do the same thing in the afternoon then go to bed in a way would you say like your day-to-day -day is kind of very similar to what it was pre-quarantine is my question my, mine has not changed at all if i'm being <laughs> honest like i when especially here is like i get up I, I do my run i mean i haven't ran today yet but sometimes i'm a bit lazy in the morning but you know i, I think the, the big thing with us is like we get to still do our job every day because our job is very simple you need a pair of shoes and you know some open air like you can just run anywhere so you know it's it's really nice and and uh, we we still get paid to do what we do and that's also a really really nice thing and and so, you know, I don't think we can be furloughed. I hope we can. Um, but, you know, we, do, we get to go out and do what we do. And, and, you know, our lives haven't changed really in any way. And I take that very much as a privilege. And, and uh, but it's just about being smart and staying away from people and, and kind of doing our bit to not really spread this stuff out as much as possible. Yeah. And I think with us too, Josh and I would be taping these podcast episodes and doing these things on the side anyhow. And so, it honestly adds a bit of normality in our lives too, where we're not just like watching Netflix or checking Twitter. We can kind of put some like mental energy into creating like a, a small little brand of sit and kick. And so like when we're not running and, and the world's kind of quiet right now in the workplace, we can kind of be busy and try to create something in a time where a lot of people are just on their phones anyhow. Have, have you guys done any workouts? Like anything like fast? Like, like, because you yeah. know you're not going to run a race yeah. for like multiple months. Like, has there been anything? Yeah, we, I would say our structure really hasn't changed a whole lot. And like, um, for my training specifically, I was going to be gearing up for a 5k at Peyton Jordan. So I was going to be doing this long, like buildup of mileage. Um, and so like, I pretty much did that exact same buildup. Um, anyhow, as if, um, I was still racing at, at Peyton Jordan. And so we're still kind of on like a, a two workout a week, um, one long run. And Danny's mentality behind it is just keeping us in rhythm and keeping us um, in this time, like 
in routine because for Josh and I, we're both young guys and I, I definitely, and Josh and I have talked about this. We don't want to like waste this year because even though there's no competition, I still want to be able to close that gap on the competition. I still want to be able to close that gap and just becoming a more of a professional athlete. And so like Friday, all of us on the team have time trials. I'll do a two mile. I think Josh, what are you doing? An A, I think. Yeah. So it's like, we're still doing workouts, um, but we're, I think we're all taking it a little bit slower in terms of the mental approach. So it's, it's a nice time to really focus on the body and, and work on the little things too. What's it's a, it's a fun time. For... Oh yeah. No, what's Dave, what's Dave's your... over every day. Nine. Yeah. Over. Oh, over, over for, over for under... what? Nine, what's the over under for your time trial? This, uh, this coming race. Yeah. So we're going to try to go out in four sixteen, four twenty, and then, close so hopefully under 840 i think drew hunter ran 836 not trying to shout him out on our pod but he was our one of our guests so he ran 836 so hopefully in that ballpark run 835 that's what you're trying to do 835.99 something like that yeah there you go josh you can break 150 so that's gonna happen well i ran so we ran some stuff last week um yeah going back a little bit i just think you know for me I, i told danny i was like i want to be excited about going and running and, and, you know, he's been really, really good at like giving us different workouts that we've never done before, different challenges. And like we did like a, it wasn't a time trial last week, uh, last week, it was more of a, I don't know, a pace change work where I, d- I ran an eight where I had to go out and was it 57 seconds. And then I had to close as, as hard as I could and see how that went. And I ran one fifty there. So I would like to think I could run one forty seven. 146 high but we'll have it filmed i'll post it on my instagram so can't wait to run 151 and post it up there after i said <laughs> this but yeah it should be fun you know we're, we're definitely you know mixing things up and i'm the same as dave i was going to run a 5k and we kind of we're like okay what, what thing could we do now that has less consequences is for me is like building mileage a little bit and you know seeing how my body reacts to that without you know worrying too much if i do have a little niggle here and there it's just like okay we can take the time off there's nothing really to be stressed about so we did that and moved my mileage up a little bit and, you know, I feel pretty good with it. So, you know, that's just an, another little test or thing that we can do. And we're just having fun with it. We're just doing little workouts here and there and just enjoying our, our time, just having no pressure of races and stuff. But these time trials get me nervous now because it's like the only thing we do. It's just like we want to do it really well. And uh, I, like I wore my singlet and stuff for like last weekend stuff. So I don't know. I'm just going to get hyped take a photo of the singlet, put it on Instagram and act like, you all like the shoes. <laughs> Maybe myself a stuff. race number or something. Yeah. Yeah. It, which one of you has the most trouble with not racing? Like, is it, is it difficult for either of you or both of you to stay focused? Uh, is it, I mean, depressing is not the right word, but is it, is it tough to be motivated during this, this kind of mysterious time? Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's almost better for me right now. Um, I was kind of felt like I was getting thrown in the ringer a little bit um, because of that gap jump from division two to professional. I think I wasn't adjusting as well as I would have liked. And so with this buildup, even in like November and December going into USA indoors, I finally kind of felt like I gathered speed um, into a race. And so now it's like, I still kind of have this time period where I can continue to learn and adjust to like this professional lifestyle where um, the races really do matter. And yeah, I would say I'm not, I'm not stressing a whole lot about it because really if like I wasn't running, I have no idea what I would be doing. So 
it, it's not hard to get out the door by any means because there's no races. It's just kind of part of the schedule now. I'm what you like to call like a textbook under racer. I'll race like a couple times a year. I, I like to be really specific of where I race and when I race and what build up I have. And for me, it's just like for people to know when they're watching me race, like when I'm standing on that start line, it's not been a rush decision. It's like, I'm ready hundred percent to race. And that's always how I was through college. I think Dave was so different. We had like such mm -hmm. different college experiences. Like he was very speed based and liked to hit things hard. I think he had like four track workouts a week or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was like 38 um, races my senior year. Yeah, and Jeez. I probably had like nine. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, yeah, I think for me, it is not weird to have a big gap between races, obviously not this big, but um, I don't know. I just enjoy being ready for what I do. And, and um, I just don't like to feel rushed going into races. So, you know, we kind of circle the big check marks, like the big races coming into the year. And, and we just go, you know, these are the ones we need to be ready for. And then anything else, we can just add add races here and there if we feel like we need to do them. So you know, I think I'm enjoying this time where we can work on little different things, but you know, it is awesome to race and it is part of our job and it's something that I'd love to do the most. So it does suck that we don't get to do that, but the motivation is still there. The motivation is still high because I have Dave phoning me after every session be like, Hey, what were your splits? Like, what do you think the Alex your conversion for that, for that workout would be like, do you think we, I run faster and I'll be like, oh, Dave, get over like you had a good session, whatever. So yeah, it's, it always keeps me on my toes. David, I'm curious, what what's your distance right now? Are you still a miler? Because I know you mentioned, I mean, Peyton Jordan running a different distance isn't rare for an athlete uh, at that early part in the season. You mentioned you were going to run a 5K, but going back to U.S. Indoors, you ran that 3K, seemingly was a good performance for you. What are you are you still, you know, charting out the 1500, or are you making up your mind? Yeah, so we're kind of experimenting a little bit. Like this whole year, I've kind of been building as if I was a 5K runner, so I've been doing a lot more aerobic work with like Garrett and Isaac and um, hitting mileage and things like that, which I never really did in college. And as Josh was saying, we would do Sunday speed sessions and like a Monday premium almost for a, a Tuesday workout. So we'd be in spikes around four times a week. And so with that, I felt like I had really great speed and turnover when it mattered in a race. But my biggest gap um, with like a professional field was being able to use that in a race where it mattered um, at like a fast pace. Like I can go out, in college, I could have gone out in like a 258, 259 and closed. I felt relatively well against the field. But now these races are going out in 254, 255 through 12. And if I don't have the strength um, to hold on and be in a position in that race, then I'm the kick that I've been able to develop over the last X number of years will be irrelevant. And so I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a 5K runner, um, but I would say that right now I feel like I'm in a really good point between the 15 and the 5K, whether that's I mean, there's no outdoor 3,000 meters, there's a steeplechase, but we're still kind of experimenting and knowing that through 2020, we were going to plan on the 1,500 meters at the trials, but if I knocked a 5K out of the park, we might have been able to reassess um, going into the trials. Josh, famously, there Josh. was three... Oh, go ahead. I'll go ahead. No, no, you... Go you're on the roll, oh, man. I was... you can... I'm, 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 I'm always on a roll. Car. I'm expecting you to jump out with a surfboard or something or like get a sonic order coming to your window at any moment. So just let me know if I need to take over. Yeah. I might get my nails done. Uh, There's a joy nail on here. Yeah. Cool. I do like your sunglasses. Are you wearing the Brooks sunglasses? It's very appropriate if so. Are they Brooks? Oh, I love it. No, no, they're they? not. They're, they're no, blue. You have like a they're Brooks KB pair of sunglasses. 
Yeah. Anyways. No. Uh, I should probably Josh, call it Under Armour logo, right? Uh, <laughs> when Gordon stops talking, I'll ask a question. Um, <laughs> who, uh, Josh? Who is the toughest Brit to race in a fifteen hundred? Famously, there was three of you in the Doha final. There's at any given time you, Charlie. Uh, Jake Whiteman, Neil Gorley, um, uh, Chris O'Hare. There's like a, there's almost as many good guys. It seems like in in, in Britain in the 1500 as there is in the U.S. So who's who's the toughest race that you like to race? <laughs> um, yeah. I will start saying that the the U.K. is stronger than the U.S. at the 1500, and I think that's oh, pretty wow. obvious. Um, wow. I mean, we're, I mean, even Scotland, which is the size of London, um, had three three men in the the World Championship final, and the U.S. had what two or something. That's kind of weird. Um, but um, I would say that, I mean, the UK chance now is, is a nightmare because it used to be like a couple of people had the time and then three get selected. So like you'd go there and you wouldn't really need to peak that much. This is before like I like I started, you know, hating the times and things um, because there would just be two or, or max three people. But now there's going to probably be six people that are going to have the qualifying standard. Um, we, we're not as like, well, there's definitely a fall off after like six or seven of us in the 1500 where the, where the U S is like kind of tight around like the 38, 39 mark. We're like, we go from like uh 330 to 335 and then we drop to like 340 pretty easily. But, mm-hmm. um, it's really difficult because, you know, this year's British championships, I was really fit. I was going in and, you know, you've got Charlie Grice that's around 330. You've got Chris O'Hare, this round 332, Whiteman, this round 333, um, Neil Gurley, this round 235. And I was like, okay. And then I took off with 600 to go. And, and I was like, okay, perfect. Like home straight, I was still winning. And I was like, all right, all out down the home stretch. I've got Jake Whiteman, this round 144 and 333. And then I've got Charlie Grice, this round 145 and 330 on my right. And on my, like on my inside would be a guy that just ran 401 in the, in the mile at the London Diamond League a month ago. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start veering out to the right to make him run further. And then in comes Neil Gurley, like the the kind of underdog in the situation and, and comes and takes the win. So it's really difficult. Like, you know, all of us ran really well at Worlds and, and uh, it, you know, put us all on the start line and it makes a fantastic race. But I mean, when Chris O'Hare is fit, he's one of the hardest people to race, I would say, because he just, he's such a ta- tactician and he showed that in his NCAA performances and then, you know he's a two-time world world finalist as well so and he's won multiple british championships so i would probably say him overall out of everyone hmm. can we I get know a, the, uh, that statement I put out there but you know it, i think it's correct so the the u.s a, first britain who, thing yeah yeah who would win a four by mile u.s versus britain we have this we actually have by, that I question think, i think a four by four by 1500 or four by mile with like the Aussies, the the Scots, the Americans, the Kenyans, and the Norwegians would be a phenomenal race. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if you've got, I mean, 332, 331, 332, 335 from, the U, uh, from Scotland is, is going to beat the U.S. every day. I think Kenya probably would have something to say about that. I know you mentioned that. Oh, versus but, versus uh... the U.S., not, not, not Kenya. We'll oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Centro is not like a super great time trialer. So, but you put him in a, I mean, it's not probably going to be a time trial situation. Uh, who do, I mean, for, for the U.S., who would we even have on that? Um, Centro, Ingles, Blankchip? 
and then I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on my I'm on my own here. I don't know. I I'm just. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna leave you on your own. As I'm well, trying to figure I'm... out a way for the red, white, and blue to win this. Yeah. What was that? This is no way. Yeah. How about this? The the team will win that has red, white, and blue on their or on their flag, which is uh, U.S., mm-hmm. Great Britain, and then also um, Norway. So a team with those three colors on their flags mm-hmm. most likely yeah. going to win. Limit of two brothers to to one team, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a struggle for yeah. Norway. Yeah, because we were talking about that. Like they could put the three brothers on, but they'd have a hard time finding a fourth that would be able to kind of close that gap against the rest of the field. Their dad or something, I'm sure. Will go yeah, on they there. go from they go from sure. three sub three thirty five guys to a four flat fifteen hundred meter guy. So yeah, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be a struggle. They um, do have a so. little sister just turned fourteen, so maybe she, yeah. she'd probably take Josh then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, David. All right, that's enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even on the U.S. team, so I, I don't really know why I talk smack into this one. But no, I, I think I, that I would a, be really fun. I have a question for for you guys. Uh, this is more of a question. Just what? So you got obviously you guys have a different perspective on uh, the sport than we do because we're on one side fat. of the camera and you guys are on the yeah fat and we're on one side of the camera. And, <laughs> Is there anything what 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 are we missing? Like what what is like the 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 elephant in the room that runners are all talking about but no one is talking about from the outside? Like what like like if if everyone knew what this thing about our sport everyone would shut up and actually understand it. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to ask Yeah, I'm, understand I'm it or grow it. Like understand it or grow the audience for it. Understand it. Like what what are we missing? Okay. Because I feel like I, I think I know what workouts are, and I think I know what you guys do, but I really don't because, like I said, I'm fat, or what Lincoln said, I was fat. So, and I was no, a me too. I, I put myself in that. I put myself okay. in that. Yeah. I mean, I we did some Tifers research. So. Yeah, we did. We did a Tifers research on you guys. Um, oh yeah, Josh, God, don't. No. Oh, we no, did. No. No. We did. <laughs> yeah. My Tifers. That's I, tough, guys. Hopefully, it's updated. I'm not sure what it has on my 400. Yeah. I think I ran 50 o. Is it have a 50 o on there? I think I ran a 50 o in the 400. I ran something. I think like is only a 6k cross country, and you ran 32 minutes. That's what I've got on there. Tactical. Yeah, was that was tactical. Tactical. <laughs> and I was a. I mean, I was a 400. What place was I? Was I in the top? 30 second. What, uh, it was like yeah, a, second, a mixed right? cross country race or something. Yeah, it's all American according to the top forty, right? That's all that matters. You know, I was a four hundred meter runner in college, so you shouldn't be judging four hundred meter runners with their cross country performances. That's all I gotta That's say. Fair. That's all. That's I gotta incredible. Say. Yeah, mine just says slow on the top, and it's actually <laughs> it's NSFW. It's not safe. Tifers will send you a virus if you uh, try to get on my page. So better not. Uh, Tifers yeah, was yeah, I got a spam block a, up around. <laughs> T first started in 2010, so it doesn't have all my marks because that's yeah, a good age I, date. I was in college yeah. in 20. You're 06 to 11, right? Yeah, 06 to 2010. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was in a fifth year. I I graduated in four. I was I was. They they didn't need me for a red shirt senior year. I was good. <laughs> like, hey, we know you got this uh, season of eligibility, major, but so. it looks like yeah, it looks like your degree's finished, so you you can just finish your degree and go. I didn't uh, – my didn't freshman have... year of college, I didn't run cross-country or track, and I, so I only ran three three years. And I remember um, my coach asked me if I was going to grad school and going to come back for another year of eligibility and legitimately thought he was kidding. 
Like, I, I was like, are you serious? Like, you want me back on the team? I, I don't really know what I would add to the, but that's basically where we can leave that. We'll just, that's, that's D2 you know, for you. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> See, cl- classic D1 guy lumping D2 and D3 together. Not saying it's an insult, but he just assumes everybody that's not D1 is D2 or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, um, but to answer your question, Gordon, it was the, like the elephant in the room um, for like professional track and field athletes. Yeah. Like, what don't we know that you guys are dealing with? Like, are we asking stupid questions every time? Like, when we say, how was the race? Is that, like, the worst question to ask? Or, like, when did it – you know, there's some reporters out there who love to say, when did it get hard? It's, like, their their cliche question, when did it get hard? Uh, see, that's yeah, sorry, you question. That question fits multiple things, Gordon. <laughs> well, our, our good colleague from Let's Run loves to say, when did it get hard? So, uh, but – uh. Like I get, yeah. What 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 questions should we be asking post race after you just run, you know, a three thirty eight fifteen hundred? You're tired, and like, literally less than two minutes after running that race, we put a camera in your face that just zooms in, you know, shoulder length up. What's and we ask you a question: How did the race go? Are you are you thinking like? God damn it! Just let me drink some water. Like, what are you thinking when media asks? I you think I think a question? great content would be if you finished the like if we finished like a big race and the first question you asked was just like, "How much money did you just make?" I think that's mm. great content for people to know about. You know, okay. You know, we're not a skill based sport. We have no skills. Track and field is all about how much pain you can put on your body. Like, we don't have any like technical skills. You know, everyone, no no one's looking for like loads of technique and things. So just fun insights into our sport like that. I'm sure would be. Well, Josh, you got answer, you got six at the world championship. So, how much money did yeah. you make when you did that? Not Here we enough. go. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> you, want to, you want to hear how much money I got from the world IWF uh, federation for coming six in the world? Yes, six thousand dollars. Six thousand. Okay. How much? How much did you have to pay of taxes on it? <laughs> Way too much. Told the government. So it's like, I mean, wait, wait, how does that work? Do you have to pay like Doha taxes and then UK taxes and then US taxes? How does that work? I still haven't got the money yet. So I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Do you like apply for it? <laughs> okay, well, let me just hijack this. How long does it normally take to get prize money from any one race? Depends what race you go to. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I probably still, it depends on agents as well. Because sometimes agents don't pay out straight away as well. Um, but it's it's normally within a couple of weeks, I think. Normally, mm-hmm. yeah. So are you like, like checking wait. your bank every every morning after you do well at a race? Like, is that gonna is that gonna come in? So you're, you're like, if it comes looking? from the race, it takes a little bit of time. If it comes from like Brooks, then they they pay on our whenever we get that's, paid, which is quarterly. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and like USA Indoors was in February, and I just got an email invoice request with like an access code like two weeks ago. So I should be getting like the prize money from USA's then like a couple oh, weeks, God. hopefully, but that's like been three months. Yeah. So, and that's oh honestly, God. that's the route that's typically made. Um, and if it goes through an agent, depending on who they are, it could even take longer because then they'll have to file an invoice and then you get paid like, um, in instances too, cause we're 1099 employees. So we're contracted. Right. Right. So technically corporations can't pay us directly. They have to pay our agents who then pay us. So, mm. The way to avoid that is to set up like an LLC, which Josh and I both have to where we can actually put in our EIN, like tax identification numbers to then mm-hmm. get paid um, directly from our corporation or from a race. And then we pay out our agents as like a, a service. 
and that's like i would also say something that is never talked about um and as a collegiate athlete like i learned all of this stuff through teammates and through trial and error of other people of like yo i haven't gotten paid for this many months i set up an llc it's been way better so it's just like what josh said like that question of like how much money you make like there's so many questions that everybody knows the answer to um that just doesn't get asked and i think that's like a, a really good one another one is just like different angled questions of like channeling people's personality like one of the funniest things about usa track and field um in des moines this year was when craig got thrown a bud light at the end of his 1500 meter race right like that just had so much personality in that single image and that content like everyone on the starting line is is human and track is such like an intimate sport that i feel like there's not a lot of gaps made between fans media and athletes themselves so bridging that and kind of like highlighting the personalities of like the athletes i think is is a really cool take on um media sources and that's like a mission statement of josh and i like we want to bring personalities out like we talked about the post ncaa cross-country championship party at wisconsin um in 2019 or 2018 when morgan won like those kind of things like we all know there was a party but no one ever talks about it mm. we'll heard through please. the grapevine some mm-hmm. some uh were you at the were, were either of you at the party I was in Wisconsin, but I felt like it would have been weird if I showed up because I knew absolutely nobody. And then we also flew out that day. So, no, I was not there. That's such a boring, that's such a boring approach to parties, isn't it? Oh, I don't know anyone, so I'm not going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's my way to avoid it. <laughs> Dave. What, we did that, Gordon, we did the Track Shacks thing with Wisconsin this past fall, and it was at the house where they had it. And so Ollie Hoare was seemingly talking that it was a good time. I mean, it can only be so good of a time with distance runners, I guess. Um, and I mean, I, I guess supposedly you, I mean, I, you could have four beers and everyone's just, I mean, or I meant non-alcoholic beers, sorry. Uh, yeah. For you could, and everyone's just uh, in a, in a different headspace. I'm talking myself out of this one. I'm going to go ahead and stop where I'm at. Um, let's see where, what, well, you, I, I was going to say, you brought up the, the Bud Light to Craig Ingalls, the irony of that, and maybe some of the problems with that. Craig Craig got in trouble for that for and the person who gave it to him got in trouble. People didn't like that. Do you think hmm. does track have a a, a problem with I don't think Nike loved the fact that he was seen drinking a beer after the biggest moment of his career, but um I I'm sure it wasn't that big of a deal. Um later because I mean of the ultimately brand, he didn't... it was because of the beer. Yeah, like if they, it wasn't a Bud uh, Light. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to no, see LeBron James cracking a Budweiser right after winning the NBA Finals, probably. It's just not... Yeah, you are. A, I, yeah, they, they, they're they hitting champagne, the champagne, man. showers. Well, but on the, court, on the court, yeah, I guess, okay. Yeah. But there's not like a locker room for track that like there would be in, in like basketball, football. You know what I'm saying? You get interviewed yeah. in track in the mix zone and then you leave and then you don't. the media doesn't get access to like the party afterwards, you know, in I the mean, same you have way. A, Lincoln's from Maybe they should. Chicago. Yeah. I'm, I've been, I'm not sure if you guys have been watching The Last Dance, but, but there's shots of Michael Jordan during the playoffs, pregame, smoking a cigar pregame in the locker room. That's 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 impressive. That's, pre-game? Yeah, I mean, you guys ever, have you ever, guys ever done anything like pregame that normally you shouldn't be doing pregame before a race? Like, obviously you're supposed to like eat the right things, but what's like something like, yeah, man. <laughs> Before that, before that <laughs> sophomore year invite in the Zuzo or whatever, I should not, yeah. I should not like, maybe not smoking cigarettes, but like, you know, I shouldn't have had that cake or I don't know, like shouldn't have had that fudge Sunday. I don't know. 
I definitely, food wise, I definitely have made some mistakes in my college career. I think that's definitely seen in my freshman year as a, as a collegiate athlete. But I think I think the the week of Azusa when I broke the D1 record was I think I on the Wednesday for the, for the Friday race I was at like a um, all you can eat like pizza and ice cream. And that went down pretty well. I didn't tell coach about that one, but I mean, <laughs> you kind of have the carb load, I guess. But I, I just feel like you don't overthink these things in college, especially. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like in the Zusa Pacific also, it's like the day before my sophomore year's pre-meet. I think it went like 342, which was a big PR at the time. But I had like Burger King. I had like a $5 six-piece meal um, like 30 minutes before my pre-meet. Um, the day before and like I didn't think about it I was like I'm just hungry I'm gonna go this is what's across the street from my hotel this is what I'm gonna get so yeah it's mostly just food um, but like to to kind of extend even on the conversation of um, like the personalities in track like maybe that's why track and field's not as big as it is like maybe it's just a boring sport the fact that someone can't have a Bud Light or smoke a cigar like you see Joe Burrow after the NCAA championship mm-hmm. football smoking a cigar walking down the locker room right like he kind of looked ridiculous it's controversial sure no LeBron or um, just people winning NCAA, NBA titles with champagne. Like why can't track and field athletes do that? Like maybe that's why track and field is boring because mm-hmm. you, the athletes get on the line, they do their race, they do their, their post-race interviews and then they go to sleep. Like not saying we should smoke cigars and party, but maybe there should be a little bit more championship celebration <laughs> scene for athletes to have it be like exciting or fun. Mm-hmm. You know our social media editor is gonna take this clip and like David Rubich quote <laughs> wants more cigars <laughs> and alcohol in track and field, mm-hmm. which is the worst thing about it because I'm probably the most um, basic runner guy to where like I don't drink no, often, no, no. I don't smoke, I've never smoked weed, like I'm like this this <laughs> straight line kind of guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, listen to I the mean, clips. Sound podcast bit, sound Dave everything. getting down to his boxers in a club in Vegas and getting kicked out. So don't, don't pretend you're a vanilla guy, Dave. Vanilla. That's the word I was thinking about. Straight line guy. He's a straight guy. Mm-hmm. Is there like a guy on the circuit that's the best, like that throws the best parties that you guys know of? Is there like, is there a, is there a legendary guy who stays out the night before a race and can show up and be fine? I'm thinking like the last dance where they were talking Michael and, and Rodman could like be up all night and then still perform. Are there those types of guys in, in track and field? Oh yeah. Um, I, I have an example of that actually. So I was, I think this is 2018 Falmouth. Uh, yeah, I think it was Falmouth and there was like a, the mile race there on the track. Um, so we get, I don't know what it's called in the U S but billeted it's called in the UK where you get hosted by like, that's the family. not, that's not what it's called. <laughs> okay. That's fine. You get hosted by a family, um, and there, so I was with Engels and Christian Serratos, and oh, the yikes. night before yeah. we're just yeah. we're just hanging out, you know, you know, twelve hours out from this race, whatever it is, and it was getting quite late, and me and Engels were just drinking some water, and uh, I think Christian Serratos plays like Fortnite, like streams it or something. I don't know. He was watching it a lot, but so we were down in the, this guy's basement, put like he was playing. We were just sitting chilling, and he was just cracking beers, like he was three or four beers deep, and I was like, this seems weird, like. I've never, I've just come out of college. I've never really experienced this side of things. And I was just like, I was kind of egging him on as much as possible to just continue to drink because I was like, if he gets drunk, I could be him tomorrow. So (laughs) egging him on, egging him on. And he's had like five beers at this point. I'm like, this is perfect. And he goes, you know, I'm going to win this next game. And like, 
I was like, okay, if you don't win this next game, you shotgun you shotgun a beer. I'm just egging him on as much as possible. And he's like, fine. And uh, he like nearly dies right at the end, and then he ends up winning. And I, I don't know if he shotgunned it anyway or he continued to drink, but he was up till the early hours playing this game. Next day, we race, and 100 to go, he swings by me, and he passes me. And he gets like oh, second wow. in the race, and wins it. And I'm just like, what? Am I just too like uptight? Like, should I just relax more? Like, yeah. this sucks i was like he was out having the best time last night and then he beats me in this race and then i'm just you know going to bed at a reasonable hour drinking water staying hydrated and i get beat by him i was like this sucks so i would say he's mm. a famous drink before races mm. good to know that's pretty cool gordon you got anything how's the oh, beach do i got anything beach yeah, is I, great. I feel like you're uh, sleeping behind your sunglasses right now <laughs> Well, you know, I forgot I Gordon was even on. in this call. <laughs> I am in this call. I know I'm disappointing a lot of the people uh, in the in the community by social distancing on a beach, but you know, I just couldn't. I've never been to Galveston. Have you guys ever been to the Texas beaches? It's great, great yes. Texas beach. Yes, I have. and it's week. It's a weekday, so it's not as crowded, and it's, people mm-hmm. are nervous. So it's also not there's as also crowded. a pandemic going on that could be part of the reason as well. But go on, yeah. But you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. fine. Don't look at that. There's the no parking's open. There's nobody here. Yeah. Got the McDonald's Wi-Fi. Might get a Big Mac after this pod. It's gonna be great. Yeah. It's gonna be Why good. Why not? No. I, um. Do you guys? Uh. I mean. What? I guess. I. I all right. I don't know how to. T- okay. So. Do you got? I, I don't know. I, I, I want you guys to answer this question, but I don't know if you will because it's public. You got to pose the question it. first before it can be answered. But go ahead. Are, are there any like athletes that you race that you just hate that you just like? I that you wake up every day and like I as long as I don't lose to this person, life is good. I mean, we'll answer that if because one of our questions for you is any athletes that you guys hate interviewing or like the worst interviewer. So if we oh, there's this, so many then, athletes we hate. Yeah, no, there's a ton. Yeah, I don't. Should, yeah, we have, we have we have cool. a lot of. <laughs> threads of people we don't like but i'm not sure if we can make it public because then we can never work with them or film a workout that's the hard thing about being <laughs> us is that we have to be nice to everyone and if we're mean mm-hmm. then like they don't like us and here's the mm, thing there's tough. people who don't like it when we rank them too low in rankings and it's like hey man mm-hmm. we can't make everyone rank number one like there's got to be someone ranked second or third josh have you ever got mad when we said that you weren't going to win a race in college yeah oh yeah 100 percent um you ranked me second outdoors um after i beat chairs indoors behind angles as like the first week i remember this like it was yesterday i was like these guys have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> and i was like no this ain't happening and then after azusa when i beat my i was just like refreshing the fucking thing and i was like <laughs> i was and i was like oh, okay i respect them now. They, they know and what then it said about. Hello, we'd like to bill your credit card for twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> to, to view this page, please refresh. subscribe now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you end up um, winning that year? When you were ranked second? Did you end up winning outdoors? Yeah. You, you beat Craig. Okay, so there you go. All right, so. Sorry for getting that one wrong. I apologize. It's okay. We all How about when you, won, when you won when you won indoors against Cheserek and you were ranked like ninety first or whatever? What about that? <laughs> I I respect that ranking though, if I'm yeah. being honest. Because uh, I definitely definitely was I, I was the best racer, but I was definitely I mean I'd ran like three fifty eight and Ches ran two fifty two, so 
it's just the way things go sometimes. That's our sport, though. Mm-hmm. David, when 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 you're watching like NCAA D ones from the D two, I mean it's the same weekend, but you you probably still follow it. Do you oh, like do virtual like oh, oh, where you would it. place in your head? Do you do like virtual um, like uh, these kids celebrating? I would have smoked their ass or like oh I would have yeah, been third, I mean or I would have been eighth or whatever. Yeah, there, there's definitely times where like that, those comparisons are made, and like specifically like the examples I know. Um, was it was like 2018 or 2017 yeah 2017 i specifically know but i don't remember the year 2017 um so craig nowak made the ncaa final and he was in the portland track festival um heat with me where we ran like 339 and qualified for usas and i was like okay craig made the ncaa division one final if i beat craig I'm 100% confident that I can make an NCAA Division One final. And then I beat Craig. And then from that on, I was just like, I'm an NCAA finalist. Like, I, I beat him. And I'm all about the transitive property. Like, ask Josh. Like, most races, I, I'm i like, like that, that's kind of how I see it. And so going into, like, Azusa, um, after Azusa Pacific, where Josh set the record, I don't know how many times we have to say Josh set the record. That's honestly needs to get blipped out of this from the, the editors. Yeah. But We should call that where, the uh, podcast, that, Josh set the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And and David was a bud in that race. So, um, but with that, like, I think I had like the fifth or sixth fastest time in NCAAs after that race. And so like at that moment, I was like, I'm surely one of the top. I'm an All-American essentially um, at, at the Division One level. And at Division Two, we talk a lot about who can make a final and things like that. And we think that if you have, um, or if you win a Division Two title, you have the opportunity to become an All-American at the NCAA level, depending on place and race. So that's kind of the way that we look at it um, because there's so many different styles of races. But yeah, I would say Division Two, II, Division Three, anyone that's like kind of looking at NCAA Division One, it is more of like a stat and comparison game, which is, I think, unfortunate at, at some level because I know everyone at those divisions are trying to close that gap and just race Division One. Um, but I mean, we always get sucked into seeing what we would be and, and where we would be in those races. Who do you guys? I'm curious. Uh, go, Lincoln. Sorry, By the way, it's really tough to time this, this off. I know four, four way converse calls are hard. Uh, I'm. Uh, you guys might lose my signal in like five ten minutes, just so you know, because I'm at thirteen percent on my computer. In this yeah, we'll try to keep this. Well, for each of so you, no, I want to know go. who's. If you lose me, just keep going. That's all I'm saying. If you lose me, keep going. Okay. I mean, this we'll go will on without you at some point. For each of you, which one? Who's the the one person you've beat in your career that you're the most proud of beating them in a race? Uh, I'm, I think, three and zero against Centro. He does. He probably doesn't know that, but I had the worst. Whoa. Um. Wow. Three and zero. I was. Gonna, I mean, 2017 Worlds. He was last. I was 11th or something. <laughs> you know. Oh, you beat I'm him in the final in Doha. I mean, that's that's a legit head to head. I think I beat him in a. Uh, like a semi-final at Doha, and then I beat him in the final at Doha. So, wow. You also beat him in the 800 at uh, Brian Clay. 4-0. Or 4-0. Oh, wow. Wow. Or that was the that, Sunset Series race. That's decent. Stat guy. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, shoot. They've never beaten me. It, 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 I, I know think you're trying I'm, to uh, right there, <laughs> No, I think I'm... I think I'm 2-0 against Ryan Hill. Okay, um, but again, like 
I don't I, like I, I respect him a lot. Like I guess like I beat oh, Ches in uh, the fifth half mile. That was cool. I beat Ches in the fifth half. I think he was hurt at the that's time. He was one. there for appearance money, but I count that as a dub. So I'm one to know against Ches. That's that's absolutely. <laughs> that, no, that's he might have limped across the liner. Yeah. Okay, and then as that, what's the opposite of that? Who is the guy? I mean, obviously, there's like Josh could say Timothy Chariot, or like, or you could say Paul Chalimo, David. But like, who is the guy you haven't beaten that you want to beat? Ollie Hoare. Really? The wounds still sting. Oh yeah, we did a podcast with him. You know how tough that was. Such a nice. Josh was sweating. I had, to, I had to lead most of that because Josh was panicking uh, and just a yeah, He's the, the great guy, but I think that, that rivalry was fun. Mm-hmm. Mm, I want to beat Josh, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I just want to put Josh in his place a little bit, whether that's over a 15 or 5K. He'll, he'll think of an, an excuse out of it, but just to kind of bring like an equal uh, level playing field between us so it's not like he looks at me as like a training partner, but he looks at me as like a, a competitor. So, mm. I think we'll be waiting a while for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. To be and fair, if not I to... what? Go ahead, Gordon. No, I'm sorry. Just keep going. Just keep going. I was gonna say something. Okay. Okay. Well, one one serious question. The the. The Diamond League just came out with a revised schedule. One, do you guys think it's that this season's actually going to happen uh, like they like they say it is? I know neither of you are doctors, at least I don't think so. But do you think it's going to happen? And how many of the meets are you going to either try to be in or going to rate, you know, be in period, I guess, of the Diamond League? I would say that it's definitely optimistic that they're bringing out races in August, um, especially is there not one in China in August? as well Ooh, is there I, I thought they pushed china all, all the way to the back but yeah I the, the final the china final would two. yeah final uh, technically would be in china at the right end. but um i don't know i think it's optimistic i think you know if those races are going to go ahead i think we're going to try and get in as many as possible but um it's, it's definitely optimistic and I, I think we should stop doing the whole like you know maybe it's going to happen we could maybe like look forward to this race and actually just make a clear-cut decision it's either going to you know we should just call it and just you know give us time to not build up to a race that is most likely never going to happen like europeans at the start of august i think was was never going to happen but it was just like kept pushing back pushing back pushing back and things like that so i don't know i, I do think that they're tr they're trying as hard as they can to to give us meets but you know if it's not going to happen it's not like uh, it's not the end of the world like we can we can get over that sort of stuff but and people can f like financially prepare for that as well because that's where people make a lot of money um in our sport so you know i think the ones at the end of the year could be possible but you know i'm not banking on it and we're just working hard to be ready for whenever a race comes around really yeah i think i'm i'm in the same boat as josh as well it, it's pretty optimistic um I would love to do those races, but I'm not going to do those races if I feel as though it's going to jeopardize the health of anybody um, involved in that, whether the people in the race, just traveling in general. Um, I always have to plug my girlfriend in on podcasts. Like she works at like a healthcare clinic, so she's working regular hours right now. And like her and I take it pretty serious on who we meet, even if we meet anybody, because we don't really want to get any cross contamination because she works with at risk patients all the time. And so with those races happening, it's like, 
if it's safe to do so, maybe. Um, but for me, like, I would still like to be in those races. Like, I've never ran a Diamond League event. So mm-hmm. maybe this is, like, a perfect time for people that would be guaranteed spots on those lists to not actually be in those races. So then I can try to get my um, skin in the game and, and get some experience under my belt at that level. Um, but, again, if those people aren't in those races that um, are really going to bring those fields out, then who knows if it's just going to be a watered-down Diamond League series. Yeah. Um, do you foresee, I don't know, the behind the scenes of how tracks governing bodies work or anything, and obviously you guys have never been tested for a virus before a race, but other sports are talking about, oh, we're going to be testing athletes. That doesn't seem like something that would happen. Even if it was to go ahead of schedule, would you feel comfortable? I know we're asking you to look ahead several months, but would you even feel comfortable like traveling or what? I mean, would it, would that be something that you just have to make up your mind later down the road? I think, you know, as a sport, we should definitely be putting all of our focus into different types of testing rather than coronavirus testing. But <laughs> I think travel stuff um, is like, I don't know. I think I think we're just going to see over time. Like this has only been around in the U.S. Um, for like a couple of months uh, at this point. And, you know, we're talking about August and September and October time. So we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's difficult. Sports are like, hey, we're going to do some stuff behind closed doors um which i think would be reasonably easy as a as a sport for for our sport to do but you know we've also it's not like it's just 11 aside soccer match it's you know we're gonna have multiple events multiple genders so i think it would have to be more of a specific hey we're only gonna do a like distance like 800 and up um for men in this in this diamond league or and then we're gonna do 800 and up for women and then we're gonna do sprint events like i think it's gonna have to be you know, over diff- different days and over, so, so it just spreads people out a little bit more. But I don't know. Like I said, I think we should definitely be putting efforts into different places when it comes to testing before things. <laughs> How great would it be if the IWF does this whole like, all right, guys, we're going to COVID test everyone and all these athletes are like, all right, great. They come and they do these fake COVID tests. They're not really COVID tests. They're actually doping tests. And then like everyone gets popped because they thought they were getting tested for covid but really they were sneakily testing him for EPA. the moment we yeah, found yeah. out gordon doesn't know how to drug how a drug test works was right then <laughs> i know how it works i know there's a difference between a swab and piss and blood and piss i get it but for the premise of the joke it would be hilarious if someone yeah. thought how great of a headline is like man tests positive for you know epo thought it was covid i don't know that'll be funny <laughs> mm-hmm. One yeah, thing I, mean, I was going to bring up, unfortunately, is bad news. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I just wanted to highlight is... Bad news is go ahead. Sorry, David, go ahead. All, all I was going to say is the unfortunate thing about that is he'd only have to sit out for two years. So then, like, is he really that bummed that he got popped for EPO instead of COVID? No, because it's kind of this, you know, two years and he's back in the game. So, yeah, what are you saying? Do they get stopped? Like, it's because there's no competition. Is, is the two-year ban right now pretty solid for people? Like, because you're not missing anything this year. Does this... Does this year count? Hopefully back? it stops. Well, they say, at, look, Kiprop is thinking like he's going to be back by like 20, 20, like 20. by the, by Eugene, right? I don't know. When does Kiprop's uh, fans start? Kiprop uh, does not appear to be in shape right now. So I wouldn't maybe worry too 
much about him, but you got four anyways, years, though, I think. Uh, did he get two? What's that? Did he get four he years two or two years? I thought he got four. He got four. I'm pretty sure. But it, but when did it start? Yeah. If it started like in the beginning of 2018, mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20, like he'll be back by the time. Yeah. But for the 2022 champs. Yeah. 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 He'll also be like 35 years old at that point, right? Uh, you you think that, but he was like 19 in Beijing, so no, um, January, something like that. I mean, maybe be, be like 30 or something. Who knows? Um, well, I was gonna on that note, I I can assume the answer, but I have either of you been drug tested or done any virtual type of I don't know some of the stuff we've heard during this this period. So I'm on the whereabouts testing. Um, I have not been tested since covid started uh so i haven't done any virtual testing or anything like that british athletics keeps me up to date with all the new things that are going on um so i don't really i don't really know too much about how that would work but i mean tested quite quite a lot yeah yeah um i also yeah i haven't been tested during the covid but i also got dropped from the testing pool so um that was kind of like a slap to my face i'm like what am i not good enough to be suspected even anymore like can i at least Mm -hmm. like at least be in the pool so people can knock on my door so I can do the cool Instagram story of like clean sport. This guy's hanging out with me at six in the morning, but um, no, yeah, also not tested. And I think that's a big question right now too, is it's just like now a big block for six to eight months for athletes to be kind of under the radar. And mm-hmm. if these, if these like um, organizations like WADA and USADA aren't testing regular, then is this just like, like an open range for people to experiment and, and do things that they might not have, felt like they could do before mm-hmm. i mean that's that's the worry in our sport um and that's a constant worry anyhow i mean the statistics of people doping is is unreal and so um yeah we're just trying to get to the start line healthy is really like the important thing for us like whether that happens in um august when we're supposed to be racing diamond leagues or in january i think the the best part about it will be just focusing on what we can do right now and but i guess that's a whole different rabbit hole but yeah also not tested about to have somebody knock on my door uh oh my <laughs> wife's taking care of it okay god doesn't have a mask on all right man these it's good, these, you know mask people i'm just I'm just warning people it's tough um yeah i was gonna say david that's weird i've been tested twice uh for this you know anti-blogging <laughs> drugs are i'm just kidding um well one thing i wanted to say to josh he referred to the sport with the round ball and the goals as soccer. That was the biggest upset of this entire podcast. How long have you been ta- calling it soccer? You know, I came to this country in 2015 and I told myself I would never do it. And, you know, I, I feel like out of respect for your guys' podcast, I would, you know, work <laughs> in your guys' lingo as much as possible. It, it did kill me a little bit inside, um, I will mm-hmm. say. But, you know... You just gotta you gotta adapt to to the situation you're in, and and that's and that's apparently yeah. soccer. But yeah, f- football would have would have been a lot more comfortable for me to say. Mm-hmm. But you know, th- these are the kind of sacrifices I take for the Flow Track Podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I've get uh, breaking news, Gordon. Uh, you're noticing he's not moving. His computer did in yeah, fact die. Um, <laughs> nice. I mean, it's nice. He can we have so much like go- he's still there. But yeah, we have a lot of Gordon content that you'll be able to answer now. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rare. I, if you really have questions, I should have answers. <laughs> well, I mean, like Josh <laughs> and I definitely do have like a portion of our, our podcast and we call it the banter bowl. And so this mm-hmm. is typically a time where we go into our guests a little bit and um, pick their brain, put them on the spot, make sure. them sweat a little bit. Um, and so 
there's one case with Gordon where he was entered into this like fan duel like tweet about MLB watch every single MLB baseball game I don't know if you're familiar with that oh of course um, yes yeah yeah have you seen his submission video I feel like he have. Well, I'm a bigger fan of his stand-up comedy, uh, which if you haven't found that on YouTube, that's a okay. That's a that's a can of worms worth opening. Yeah, he did the uh, God. What what is the MLB thing called? I mean, that's kind of how we got the job here. To be honest, is that yeah. Um, uh, his MLB thing. Yeah, he spent. They don't do that anymore. What was what is that called? The uh, fan cave. The fan like cave. There fan we go. cave. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he spent. Uh, yeah, an entire baseball season, basically in baseball prison, uh, watching every single game, and 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 did that. I to answer your question, I think I have, but you'd have to catch me up on some of the details if you have seen it or yeah, more recently. I mean, him, I it's him rap. Yeah, it's him rapping and then balancing mm. a chair on his nose. So it's really nothing oh. like to highlight. Um, but for you, Lincoln, yeah. you're a Cubs fan, correct? That's correct. Yes. So you did you make a Twitter just to retweet the Cubs winning their World Series in 2016? Because your first tweets are all Cubs things. You went all the way back. Did, is that true? Yes, yeah, go um, all the way back to your first tweets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I first started Twitter in college. Twitter was still relatively, you know, it was, I, I don't know how to put it. It was kind of the, the tick, well, no, TikTok's pretty popular now. I don't know. It was like, a, it was Twitter when I, in college for me was like, it was a joke. People didn't actually do it and, and you didn't know what you were doing. But anyways, for the most part, to my 300 followers in 2016, I did retweet a lot of Cubs content, which you question when you're retweeting that stuff that no one cares about. It's like, why am I doing this? I mean, I'm kind of of the mm-hmm. opinion Twitter shouldn't really exist. Um, but yeah, I do find myself getting quite excited about my sports teams and <laughs> needlessly retweeting it. So. <laughs> So when it comes to when it comes to flow track, like when you guys do your commentary and, and things like that, do you guys pull straws for like who commentates for like D two D three like cross country or like the ten k? Oh or no, like that that that's me. I do D two and D three stuff during cross country season simply because I did ran D two, and so I have a deep deep bank of knowledge of. I mean, Division Two. I mean, David could probably attest to this, I and mean, he may—he obviously would know more because he was a ten thousand times better runner. But D two doesn't really change too much. It's kind of like, oh, you got the Colorado schools, and then you'll have a few good guys from random pockets across the country. You know, obviously David in Oregon, but it doesn't really change that much. And it's kind of the same for D three. So I've always been that uh, in as far as cross country, and then it's changed since I've been employed since 2014 because we used to travel to everything but now we for budget things we you know hire different people around the country well josh you you know that you literally did commentary for us one time so we hire different people but um it used to just be we would pick like every other weekend like oh you're going to seattle and then you're going to boston and then you're going but then we decided to try to save a little money on travel and like oh let's hire someone in boston so we don't have to pay for the fly and let's hire someone in seattle so it goes like that but yeah in the olden days it would just be like okay when can you go and when can when can't you and you'd end up traveling three or four times out of a out of a year which was fun in when i was 22 20 i guess 23 but it gets it got a little got a little crazy there um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah most people are like hesitant they don't want to do d2 or d3 they're like what is that and i'm i'm all for it you know I think cool. a 1350 5k is, I still think that's cool. And, uh, 
and you know breaking four in the mile is still awesome so i i, I just i'm all about that life so as a fellow division um not run not division one runner um have you mm-hmm. then um bought my book I have not bought your book. Sorry, you're going to catch me on the spot okay. uh, not having done that. I'm sorry. But I tell you what, if I know you're on, we're on an email chain just about this podcast. If you send me your, <laughs> is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon, $15.99. Okay. Just send me a link or, or in fact, I could probably just find it myself. I will, I will purchase it and, uh, and read your book. Small School Big Dreams, is that what it's called? Big small School, school no. Big Dreams. There you go. Big School Small Josh, Dreams. Josh, has, has Josh read your book? No, Josh wasn't no, mentioned no. in the book. That's what ticked him off the most. I didn't mention him <laughs> once when he set the NCAA record. Like on that day, Josh has zero. He's like, oh, let's go back and read the day we both set our NCAA records. Mm-hmm. He opens it, not a single mention of him, and he was furious. So he will not be reading that anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So you ran – in that race, you ran 337 what? Or is that what it was? 337 uh, 42. Or yeah, 337 and 42. 42. Yeah. And I mean, Josh, just like a couple seconds, ahead, a meaningless couple of seconds ahead. That's meaningless all. couple seconds. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun race, though. Looking back, but I I won't ever remember that because no one wrote about me uh, in their book. But that's just the way things go. <laughs> apparently, with your teammates. But, um, you know, I'm sure Flowtrack can take out this part of the podcast where you tell us who the worst person to interview is. We could just put that on the ours. worst. The worst person. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. There's always people who are challenged, you know. Oh yeah, challenge most track, challenging. Tr- yeah, yeah. Track journalism yeah, is obviously different than 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 professional baseball or basketball journalism. You know, we're not the usually the barrier to entry to be in my position is much lower than it say would be to work at ESPN or to that. So most my my point being is most people it seems like understand that. You know, this isn't, you don't need to act like Russell Westbrook in a mixed zone because yes, it's people's careers, but you know, for the most part, people understand this is track and field. And I, obviously the Olympics are important. World champs are important. USA's are important. NCAAs are important, but most people in track kind of are under understanding of the stakes that it's not, you know, not everyone's a multimillionaire and you don't need to act like that. What I will say, though, is a guy who I always enjoy interviewing because it's always a challenge is Fred Curley. Fred Curley, famously U.S. foreign meter runner, uh, not a huge fan of the media, but I think I know what what he's going to bring into an interview every time that I do enjoy it maybe where I didn't at the beginning. I'll give you an example. USA's in the 400 this past summer. He beat Michael Norman. I called it an upset. He did not, he was not a fan of me calling his defeat an upset. And so it, you know, and it went, and so there, there are always guys or, or women, maybe more so men, obviously, who, who are listening to hear for perceived slights and they, you know, would, uh, they're just people who are just more ready to pick a little bit of a fight, basically. Mm-hmm. And and so I, there's I would say there's no one that I strongly dislike interviewing, but if if there's like somebody where I know like I'm gonna have to be attentive, it's Fred Curley because he's not like cool. his favorite thing ever isn't to be interviewed by Flow Track. If I if I yeah if I should say that yeah <laughs> yeah that's a roundabout no. answer. I understand that, but but no no I, but that's I, a, that's I can only good. go so far. 
I'm not going to be like, I hate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can only go so far because, um, (laughs) but yeah, there, there there's some people out there for sure. Well, well, one thing I want to bring up and just to put Josh on the spot one more time. So at Doha as, and I'm sure you guys know this just period of other events, every country or every country's governing body, they had somebody, you had like an attendant with you and team, team GB's was the guy, some guy with a red beard. And I, I'm sure you know this fellow's name, but he was notorious. He was difficult to work with. Like he was not, he was not having it. And they all had the earpieces mm-hmm. on. This was other countries. Team Canada's person yeah. was difficult to, to work with. And listen, I'm like, we, I'm familiar with the USATF people. So like there is some rapport there that I maybe wouldn't have, but it's funny to yeah. me that like some of those types, I don't know. Do you have a name for those people you you know what I'm talking about, Josh? Like the yeah, yeah. What, so, like so the attendants like or like the, the advisors or something yeah. along those lines. But so yeah, it's it, that, it's I don't different. Know. I, it's, yeah. it's like so their job, like what we get told beforehand, is just like you know we kind of it it actually goes down to the athlete at the end of the day. Where like if I said mm-hmm. to him, look, like I want to focus on um, U.S you know, US media, and I want to make sure that if they ask me this question, pull me away and and don't make it look like it's my fault. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he he knows all that by the time that we get to each person. And so like, for me, it's like, I don't have any big controversial things that if someone says something, I'd be like, I'm not not speaking to this person anymore. You know, so I I just say to him, look, like, let me have the reins on this is because I'm, I don't need to I don't feel like the need to rush through this because I feel like it's part of my job to promote yeah. what I'm doing in my brand and things. But some people that are in more controversial situations might say, look, if they ask me about, you know, when I tested positive or like the question marks around my coach, like as soon as that comes up, the media person will just grab the athlete and just push them like along. And I guess that's like kind of the role that they have sure. in, in the media sure. zone. But sure. yeah, I would say if, if the person's being difficult, it's most likely the athlete or the federation that's making that, that, mm-hmm. you know, so it should be different athlete to athlete. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess specifically for Great Britain, if your standard is Mo Farah, you're going to be used to like, we got to keep a tight leash here for the questions. And maybe you don't modify that for every athlete. And so you're just kind of one way. And so you're like, no, we got to. Because Canada was doing that. Canada, I was trying to interview Mohamed after he won bronze, and they were trying to like pull him away. And I'm like, he doesn't want to go away. He just won a bronze medal. Like he doesn't like. Yeah. It's like I'm not. I understand he's still got the ten thousand in a few days, but like I think the cool down. He's happy to wait for the cool. I don't know. It's just there were some moments and at World Champs and and things like that where it's always just like yeah. maybe this can be handled differently. But you know, people in the media are like we we tend to act more important than maybe we actually are. So I think there's lessons to be learned on, on, uh, on both sides. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely necessary for some people to have that media person, but I think mm-hmm. even for me, like I, 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 if someone asks me something, I don't want to like speak about it. And if some people are asking me continuous questions, I'm, I, I just leave. I think it's just for people that don't feel that they want to sure. look like it's someone else's fault. Um, but yeah, yeah no, that's, that's fair. We um we we kind of we had Drew Hunter on on our podcast and it was one of the more more successful podcasts that we had because his following is amazing. And I posed this question to him and I said, "Look, if if we did a 3k 
and we had four v four. There was eight people in the race, and it was Beast versus Tin Man Elite, and it would be mm -hmm. me, David, uh, Henry, and Isaac in the three k for the Beast, and Tin Man was like Drew, um, who else was in Sam Parsons, and Morgan, who else I think um, the uh, Goose, and then I can't remember the oh Aaron Templeton. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said that we would win by a significant amount if we scored that like a, a college meet. Would that be something that Flowchart would get behind? And well, who, who would you predict? Well, yeah, they'd have to you break get? it down I mean, by PRs. Um, my PR is 835. Drew's, okay. But <laughs> probably converts a little faster with your 5K and obviously your 1500 PR. David got fourth at USA's in a pretty decent 3K. I feel like Isaac's run a good 3K too, right? He's run like something pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably, I mean, not just because I'm talking with you guys, I would probably pick, you, you know, I know Drew's, that's a good distance for him, but I think I would probably go with the Brooks Beast there. I mean, you guys always have like multiple guys you could put in that I feel like they're a little thinner on the bench too. If you need to like go to the lefty, you know, go to, I don't know, Garrett, maybe Garrett Heath. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Brandon Kidder ran like an 8-11 3K time trial in the pouring rain in January. Like okay. I ran like 8-20 in that, and he just absolutely waxed me. Not saying we're going to put Brandon Kidder on it, but um, yeah, I think the depth on our team is, is mm -hmm. significantly better. Um, but it yeah. would be a very exciting race, not the least, especially if it was scored as a cross-country meet. Because if first is first place, and then you get someone that runs eighth, I mean, that's nine points just between those two people. So um, that'd be, yeah, I think a pretty exciting exciting race i would i would absolutely um, watch this yeah go ahead <laughs> um well you'll probably be announcing it so that that's all good i would love to um the so right now um one of our banter poll questions is more just like speculation because it's still kind of hush right now on um, like nca athletes and their pro picks of where they're signing so mm. where do you think Hor jones klecker monson um where do you think those guys are going Jones, Cle okay. Well, uh, I didn't. I full disclosure. I will. I will listen to your Ollie Horror episode. I know he hasn't announced a brand yet. Mm -hmm. I know he just signed with an agency. I, my prediction for Oliver Horror would be he stays in Madison, signs with Under Armour, and trains with Mick, kind of like Morgan McDonald. Danny Jones. My prediction would be New Balance. Uh, just she signs with Emma Coburn's group. That to me makes mm -hmm. the most sense. Klecker. I mean, I feel like Bowerman's going to get somebody off of this this group so i would say bowerman mm -hmm. track club for him but you guys may know more than me and then who else was uh who else was then monson monson yeah. i just i so she signed with stephen haas with total sports i know he has mm -hmm. more athletes than that but i don't know his under armor connection that that leans me towards that way so i would say under armor for the two wisconsin athletes klecker to, to bowerman track club so nike and then and jones to new balance but i don't know this yeah, new I mean, uh, go ahead no i was gonna say yeah we're we're in the, in the same boat as you it's just like now such a hushed time so like the fact that athletes are getting signed out um it seems like it is a little bit quieter um right now with companies so definitely like curious through that whole conversation and with like the signing do you think that companies are moving away from signing like athletes and their abilities and looking more for like the ability to influence for the brand or do you think it's still all about athletics for track and field? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I'm the right person for that. Well, let me turn it around on you. Uh, as you guys who signed as just professional runners and you mentioned uh, 
what'd you call that? Like contractors. We just saw mm-hmm. um, Nick Willis and Mary Kane sign as kind of like full-time employees. Yep. Just because I don't have a good answer to your question, I wanted to know what you guys think of that. And do you think that could become a trend for athletes that want to work and be professional runners and, and be, be a full-time employee and not, not a contractor like you guys? So I would say that, you know, I think the reason that we're contractors is so it's easy to kind of let us go without any rights. <laughs> so we don't have health insurance. We don't have like all, all this stuff you would get as an employee because um, we are like we have our own businesses. We have our own LLCs to get paid and things. So we are self-employed. Um, so it is interesting. It's like I think the the way that they worded it was um, I think Willis said, I'm, I'm not. I'm not retiring. I'm turning amateur or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely it could be a stepping stone, especially in this um, day and age right now, where you know companies don't have a lot of money, and if people need that extra stepping stone to kind of make their professional, you know, maybe with a with a uh, with a team, I think it's definitely a stepping stone to be a professional athlete. But I'm not sure if it's. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about Tracksmith. I think people are definitely mm-hmm. going to start learning a lot. About it because you know her yeah. him and mary kate are, are pretty big um athletes especially across social media and things so you know i'm sure i'm sure we'll see a bit of a trend going there because you know unless you're a number uh, an ncaa champion or top three in the ncaa d1 or d2 you, you're probably not going to be signing any contracts with with for for a lot of money anytime soon so we might yeah. see a little trend for that and it could be a different avenue for athletes to go down for sure yeah, and I would say as well that I think companies in the future, maybe even within like the next four years, are going to start leaning towards um, athletes and their influence opposed to athletes and their ability. Not saying that those athletes aren't incredible athletes. Um, I'm mostly just saying that it seems like this younger generation of athlete, especially still in the NCAA system, like the people that come to mind, like, you know, Cooper Tier, Nico Young, um, uh, Cole Sprout, these guys have like. 15,000 followers on Instagram, right? Like that in itself is more than Josh and I combined. And that's just because they're so um, in with the rise of all these platforms that they were able to build their own image right away. And so I'm curious to see how that will be influenced into a, a, a company signing them because I know Brooks does sign their athletes based off their assets and based off what they want to be, who they are and all those things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, companies in general in the future are going to start saying like, okay, what can you bring to our table in terms of our brand promotion and our brand production? No, that's, well, are you guys, I mean, I I know your performance is the biggest marketing thing that you guys do for Brooks, but are you asked to post on social media a certain amount of times or how does that work? Is that written into your contracts at all? No, I do think we might see a trend of that. Um, We do have, you know, certain things where if we get on, you know, a certain publication front cover, I think we get bonuses and things like that, because that that does, it is at the end of the day, the reason that we are signed is to promote gear. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, we're, we're going to run as fast as we can. But if we don't have any social media presence and can't stand in front of a camera with a with a big Brooks sign on our on our chest, then, you know, that's kind of a massive part of our job at the end of the day so we take that responsibility to do that to keep our sponsors happy and and brooks is pretty easy going and they never like hey you need to post this or you know this yeah. is what you need to do for your social media it's more like kind of go for go for it yourself and if we're really mucking up i'm sure they'd be like hey you can't do that you need to stay within brand here but 
you know, it's it, it definitely varies between brand and brand, but um, you know, it's it's something for yourself as well. You know, it, this is the way that our sport's moving, and if you don't have people following you and wanting to know what you're talking about and wanting to know what you know workouts you're doing and what shoes you're wearing during it, then you're going to be left behind when it comes to signing new contracts for 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 a good amount of money. And even though you know, if I run 330 and Dave runs 235 and he has 100,000 followers and I have 10,000 followers, then, you know, Dave is going to have more influence on people. Really? You th that, I mean, obviously more influence on people, but you think... Yeah. So you can't just run fast. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. If you run 330, you might be in front of cameras uh, more often, yeah, like yeah. on a start line and, and things like that. But it's, it's it, you know, I can't imagine the money's going to be that different between the yeah. two. Is there, are, for for you both, are there people who who's specifically maybe their Instagram or social media game that I don't know if jealous is the right word, but you're like, oh, that person's doing it right, like that pro runners really knows what they're doing, marketing themselves and their brand. Like, is there anyone you can highlight specifically? I mean, yeah, we had Drew Hunter on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and like Ten Man Elite kills the game, and I think a lot of people are envious of their ability to create that brand that they've created. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when there's posts about professional track teams like i'm in seattle and i see kids wearing 10 man elite shirts walking around and i'm like yo the brooks beast own seattle but here we are <laughs> 2020 you high school kids are wearing 10 man elite you're out in colorado so um i would say that their ability to create their own brand is is big but then the flip side of that is um they are an independent group that are not fully funded by adidas you know they they do have a lot of freedom in their ability to create um and so yeah, I would say that like with that specific example, um, I think it shows how important it is um, to have a presence over social media nowadays because they're they started in like May of 2017 or 2018 um, on Instagram, and I think now they're almost at 60,000 followers. And for a professional track and field group, that's like a significant increase because mm -hmm. it's it's now caught up over social media presence with like the Bowermans and the OTCs of the world. So like our, our Brooks Beast page, I think has like an equivalent 10,000 followers, maybe 15,000 over all social media platforms. And so it's definitely a branding tool um, to get people interested in the sport. So yeah, I would say that, um, yeah, they do, they do a good job of um, just creating their own brand and, and making it work for everybody. Mm -hmm. You see, I, one thing I'm curious, do you guys have like a, a team photographer? You see a lot of groups, you mentioned Bowerman, that like seems like they have like one photographer on retainer constantly. Is that like the case mm -hmm. with all groups? How does that work? Go on, Dave. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky world, um, I would say. We we do some shoots with like Zappos and we, we freelance um, photographers in, but the hardest part about it is... Um, getting someone on board both with like the corporate side of things and their own personal business to then shoot the beast, but also know that the beast is an entity of Brooks, not of a, a photography company. Does that make sense? So like it does, yeah. Brooke, Brooks is, yeah, Brooks's standpoint is they want to be able to keep the ownership of the beast, which makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, you see like Courtney white um, always with like the, the Bowerman um, yeah. profile and, and when her photos are released over the, um, Instagrams of all the athletes, you know, that it's going to be killer shots because she does an incredible job. And what it'll come to is we hire um, or like talk with specific photographers and say, hey, our athletes are going to be in these races at, um, at these events. 
like USA Championships, for instance. So then those athletes are con or those um, photographers are contracted with the company to shoot specifically yeah. us, and then us as athletes will get like a Dropbox from them to take photos. But I think the daily the daily in and out um, high quality shots is something that'll be integrated more and needs to be integrated more in the sport because you can't take cell phone shots and use those as uploadable images for a professional site. Like you guys at right. Flowtrack know that too. Like you guys won't want to post a blurry photo of David beating Josh in uh, a race debut. You'll want to <laughs> post a, a clear <laughs> shot of uh, the, the tape breaking. Really blurred. Maybe maybe some edits will be in there, but yeah. No, I understand. There's just so many things I think us on the outside take for granted. That's like the little steps that happen. You mentioned like with with Courtney White, that's somebody I wouldn't have known of a year ago, but you see on Instagram and you like see her tagged on so many different things. It's like, man, she's figured it out. And, and there's, there's, you take for granted, like seeing an athlete's photos, high quality photos on their Instagram and that there's certain steps that have to be followed there to make sure all that happens. And that, that adds a lot mm -hmm. to, uh, there's just so many layers of being a professional athlete and and marketing yourself that 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 are there now that maybe wouldn't have been and it's i don't know it's it's interesting to me because i obviously live in that world but i i'm not no one comes to my work and takes pictures of me at least not yet so uh so anyways yeah it's just i'm i'm interested in in all in all that stuff and and then i guess you guys uh like you will see some people like like we saw with Drew, I know that was to raise money, but running that two mile time trial, um, and we see with Tenman overall, you know they'll they'll post, they'll film and edit their workouts. Is that something you guys would be moving to? Do you have anybody that could do that, or is that something you you think about being more, I don't know, public with your your training? Yeah, I mean, in terms of just logs and things, like I know we are very open. Like if someone texts us or messages, like, hey, what are you doing for workouts or mileage right now? Like we'll we'll just tell them exactly what we're doing. Like I've even screenshot a log before to send it to someone because there's really no, um, there's no secrets on what we do, but I do think like live videos and things are going to be the way for time trials and races, um, for people mm -hmm. to kind of get excited about the sport, um, of, of track and field. 